0: Hi, I'm Deirdre Velden, and this is Confronting Coronavirus, a podcast on the COVID-19 outbreak. We are emerging from our cocoons. Five phases have reduced to four and much of Irish business, social and sporting activity will resume from Monday, albeit with restrictions in place. Lots has changed since the first roadmap out of lockdown was unveiled on May 1st. Conor Pope is Consumer Affairs Correspondent at the Irish Times. Conor, from Monday, we will enter phase three of the roadmap for reopening Ireland. But phase three is not what it used to be. So uh, a lot has changed, hasn't it?
1: I think from Monday, the country will almost entirely be open for business again. Now there's still elements that are going to be closed but there will be profound changes from Monday. Now the biggest change for an awful lot of people is the travel limitations will be gone so you will be able to travel anywhere throughout the state including all of the islands off the coast from Monday. Um, the thing that has been attracting an awful lot of attention in recent times has of course been the opening of the restaurants and the opening of the pubs and people have been speculating as to how it's going to work. Will it be one metre social distancing, two metre social distancing, how long will people be allowed to linger in a pub or a restaurant before they're told to, get to, to, to leave? Um, but bottom line is the pubs and the restaurants are opening on Monday. Except pubs that don't serve food. Pubs that serve food uh, will be able to open on Monday. Pubs that don't serve any food will have to stay closed until July the 20th.
0: On the pubs and only the pubs serving food will be allowed to open and you will need to buy a a meal worth nine euro and of course the restaurants as well. What what have you seen, Connor? about uh, what those pubs and restaurants are going to do on the day in terms of keeping people apart from each other?
1: Well, I think an awful lot of it is a real suck it and see approach. People aren't entirely sure how it's going to work. I think in the first instance they're going to have to try and manage queues and to make sure there isn't overcrowding in, in, in restaurants. I mean, obviously, when it comes to restaurants, they've all ensured in, that the tables are the requisite distance apart, and they will all be ensuring that they will be taking a contact name of a of a, of, a, of a, the lead in a in a party, uh, so that they for, so they'll be able to use that name for contact tracing should that become important. So there's there's all sorts of different measures in place in terms of sana- increased sanitization, increased social Distancing between the waiting staff and the diners, how the menus are going to be handed out will be different, uh, and there's a, like, but there's an awful lot of different measures that the restaurants ha- ha- have put in place. and um, like, but when you talk to restaurateurs, an awful lot of the time they're very confused as to how this thing will going to be is going to be policed. For instance, there's a, a limit of 105 minutes on somebody being allowed to be in a, a restaurant or a pub. Now, who's going to police that? Is there going to be somebody saying, "Sorry, lads, your time is up. You've been here for 107 minutes," and even if it isn't policed they're only guidelines so it's not legally enforceable so an awful lot of what restauranteurs and publicans are going to be relying on in next week and in the weeks ahead is going to be common sense they're going to try and avoid queues they're going to try and avoid crowds and they're going to try and ensure that people have as an enjoyable experience as they possibly can in their establishment and to be honest i think it'll probably work out in much the same way as the retail business opened because before the retail un- before the retail shop uh, retail units across the state started to reopen a couple of weeks back they were tying themselves up in knots as to how it was going to operate how the social distancing would would, would be managed how the queues and the changing rooms and all that stuff. And once the shops opened, everything just started to work as people imagined it would work. So there was no big drama when the retail sector opened. And I don't anticipate there will be any big drama when the restaurant sector reopens. It might be a slightly different scenario in pubs late at night when there's been drink taken and people might be getting a little bit too cosy, but only time will tell. And I think the bottom line for all people in that trade is going to be common sense. Let's just see how we can manage this, keeping our staff safe and keeping the customers safe, because nobody wants to be the centre of a new cluster of COVID-19 cases. So, I think we could overthink how it's going to work in the, in, in, the, in the future and then when it actually starts to work, we'll say, oh yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. So I'd be confident that that will be resolved in a fairly simple and straightforward way. Um, in terms of other things that are being rolled out, Obviously you have the indoor mass gatherings, they're going to be limited to 50 people, except when it comes to churches, they're opening again uh, for business, for want of a better word, on Monday. Outdoor gatherings will be limited to 200 people. Now, in an interesting move, the, the government has made face coverings mandatory on public transport, and there are plans in place, although you don't know exactly what those plans are yet, to sanction people who are in breach of those rules. Now, I think anybody who's been out and about in any urban setting, or in any big town around the country will have seen that there's a very small percentage of people wearing face masks. And it doesn't matter if they're in supermarkets, it doesn't matter if they're on the buses, it doesn't matter where they are, very small numbers are wearing face masks. And I think this is an important step because it'll, it'll, make, the manda- it'll make masks mandatory on buses or trains or wherever it might be and that should make it more likely that people will wear those masks in other indoor settings that transmission is more likely.
0: It's taken us a while though Connor, to come to that hasn't it?
1: It's taken a very long time and there's been an awful lot of confused signals coming from government. Uh, you would have uh, the Taoiseach saying he would advise somebody to wear to wear a mask and then those people saying no you got to wear masks and then you know but retailers didn't know what to do do they should they impose the the wearing of masks should they not impose the wearing of masks the public transport operators didn't know what to do and i think it's important for the avoidance of all doubt that there are crystal clear rules put down by the government saying this is when you should wear masks end of story it's what's happened in other jurisdictions and indeed it's a recommendation from the world health organization that masks should be worn in these public settings and again it's worth repeating it's not so much to stop you contracting the virus, virus it's to stop you transmitting the virus. And if 100% of people are wearing face coverings in particular settings, well then it becomes an awful lot harder for the virus to jump from person to person to person. So that's probably why a clear Ruling is required from the government, and it may well be coming down the tracks maybe the 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 face coverings being mandatory on public transport is the start of that, but that 's an, an, another thing that 's happening now. a big, big thing that 's happening from Monday is the opening of hairdressers, barbers, and all the rest Now there was a little bit of controversy earlier in the, earlier this week when it emerged that peter mark a a hairdresser that has seventy stores around the country, was imposing extra charges for people if for dyeing their hair because they would be required to use extra dye and of course there was a bit of a storm and a teak up there everyone was giving out but i think uh, that's not going to stop people walking through the doors of peter Marks or indeed any hair salon in the country because the demand has been phenomenal and i've been told that there are waiting lists of weeks and weeks and weeks for people to get in to get their hair looked after and uh, it's probably not the same with barbers because i think that's slightly more relaxed but uh bottom line is that's going to be a big big day for an awful lot of people you'll also see tanning parlors opening tattoo parlors opening piercing studios all museums galleries theaters and cinemas will be able to open now that's not to say all cinemas will be opening in fact quite a small number of cinemas are going to be opening from uh the uh, next monday and i think an awful lot of the bigger chains will be taking it slowly by slowly but they will have put in measures uh, across the board that will give people confidence. For instance, the Odeon Cinema Group is opening, uh, I think, from July the 10th and they've put in all sorts of measures that you're not going to be sitting beside a stranger in the cinema, there's going to be much more uh, intensive cleaning, their air filtration systems have been improved and the whole purpose of it is to make things seem safer and uh, more secure for would-be cinema goers.
0: Now one of the issues Connor that has been the subject of a lot of speculation over the last uh, number of days in particular is is that of foreign travel. And so we we heard last night that uh, travel restrictions will be eased from the 9th of July which which at least creates some clarity uh, about um about what's to happen so that people can start to make plans. However Uh, This is somewhat dependent on a famous green list, which will indicate countries that that people can visit from Ireland where there won't be a quarantine required on return. Uh, Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I don't know if clarity is the word I'd use. In fact, I would say there's still a great fog of confusion hanging over the entire tourism sector for the weeks ahead. Because the Taoiseach did say, and it was widely anticipated and we'd reported it several days ago, that there was going to be air bridges between... Countries with a similar disease profile, so countries that seem to have the illness largely contained would be able to open up to each other. So let's say if there was very little cases of the virus in Malta and very little cases in Ireland, then people would be able to fly unfettered between Ireland and Malta. So we know that's now going to happen, and it's going to happen from July the 9th. But what we don't yet know are, what are the countries that are going to be included? In the, in the green list. So, you know, I've, I've spoken to people in the travel industry and, you know, countries like Spain, Portugal, Greece, Malta, the Balearic Islands, which are obviously part of Spain, as are the Canaries, uh, Finland, the, the Baltic states, they all have a disease profile now that's pretty comparable to Ireland. And there could be corridors opened up between those countries. But then there's, there's other countries like France or Germany or Italy. And we don't know yet if if those countries are going to be on the list or we don't know what countries are going to be on the list. The only country we really know much about at this stage is the UK and we know pretty much for certain that the United Kingdom will not be on the list. And of course, that's going to be hugely pr- problematic from a diplomatic perspective um, and as, w- as well as from a, a, a tourism and travel perspective, because an awful lot of English people in particular travel to Ireland for their summer holidays. So they're going to be cut off from the tourism market in Ireland. But, you know, I think an awful lot of people in Ireland are saying, well, that's probably for the best because they look at the scenes from Bournemouth yesterday when the beaches were overcrowded and there was fighting with the police and fighting with the people trying to empty bins and all sorts of other things and then they would have looked at the scenes outside Anfield last night when thousands of people gathered to celebrate Liverpool's first uh, English League success in 30 years and you're kind of thinking I wonder do they have the notion of social distancing ingrained in them to the same extent that we do here and is that something that you want to be importing into this country but then of course the issue is that there's nothing to stop somebody from London flying to Belfast and then taking a train from Belfast to Dublin because the the, the, the Good Friday Good Friday Agreement and the, the, the realities of Ireland mean that free travel between Ireland North and South is absolutely sacrosanct so you know, if people from the UK or if people from Britain want to come to Ireland they will be able to come it's going to be a problem but you know, we, that's the only country we know Know about. Obviously the United States is still cut off from us and that will be probably until the autumn. Um, and then it remains to be seen what other countries will become part of the air bridge. But at the moment we don't know anything. We don't know how many countries will be on the green list. We don't know if they're going to stay on the green list because of course the Taoiseach rolled out this fairly... A, a appalling spectre of a country going onto the green list, but then seeing a spike in cases and coming off the green list, and that of course raises the question: What happens if you travel on your holidays to a country that's on the green list, and then a week later it's taken off that list? How do you get home? Do you have to spend two weeks in quarantine upon your return? An awful lot of people would really struggle to do that when it comes to their jobs, and then who who would want to spend a further two weeks in quarantine uh, after um after the lockdown we've just come out of. So there's still an awful lot of questions there. And I think the government is trying to walk a really fine line here because it has to try and balance the public health concerns that are inevitably going to uh, result from people travelling overseas and from people coming from overseas into this country. But it also has to measure that against the economic realities that the aviation sector is totally on its knees, the tourism sector is completely destroyed by what's been happening so you know it, it there are tough questions that have to be answered and i don't know if they've been answered sufficiently well yet
0: and staycations of course will remain the the order of the day uh, for the foreseeable future Um, in terms of um rented accommodation um, and uh, hotels and, and so on what kind of experiences or what kind of booking levels i suppose are are hotels talking to you about or or or, or places that are offered for for rental indeed
1: well, demand is high and supply is low um, because an awful lot of hotels that might have had let 's say a hundred rooms uh, this time last year might only be able to uh, sell 50 of those rooms given the social distancing uh, restrictions that are in place and the need for gaps between guests staying there and all the other measures that have to be put in place. So. You know, demand is going to be much higher this year from an Irish market than it, than it has been probably since the 1970s and supply is going to be at an all-time low so prices are going to rise that's the reality and the other reality is that Ireland is not a cheap tourist destination and I think an awful lot of people who are accustomed to traveling overseas and eating out overseas and drinking overseas will be finding themselves in an Irish restaurant an Irish pub an Irish hotel going do you know what these prices are just as bad as they are at home and that's because they will be at home and you know people will find a little bit of that hard stomach I mean I've seen people giving out about the, the prices for a two two rooms in a fancy hotel in, in parts of Ireland and they're saying it's it's 4,000 euros for a week and you're going yeah that's, that's pretty standard for Ireland you know when you think about it you're getting two, that's 2,000 euros per room per week that's about 300 euros a night for a really fancy hotel that's not totally out of the ordinary but people see the prices and they get very very concerned about them because they're used to paying prices maybe that they'd be paying in Spain or Portugal or southern Italy and they're an awful lot less. What about sports then, Connor? Yeah, well, sport. Sport is going to be restarting in a big way from. Uh uh, from this weekend in fact um, and I think you'll, you'll see uh, a contact uh, team leagues for adults and children as well as close contacts and organized sporti- sporting spectator events with very limited crowds allowed in will start to happen on Monday and um, so you might see you know you know cool camps and GEA clubs getting up and running again you might see soccer clubs starting up again um, and you will see a kind of a, a slow but steady return to normal life um, and I think that the changes from Monday will be quite profound. Um, and and nobody had really anticipated this would happen until the end of July. So this is kind of coming as a bonus for an awful lot of people because phase four has become phase three and phase five has been scrapped. Um, so, you know, the country will almost entirely be reopened for business by Monday of uh, next week. And then we'll just have to wait and see what happens in terms of the virus. Because, as you know, and as, you, as the listeners will know, there has been an alarming spike in certain countries across the European Union. The virus is totally out of control in other countries. Um, so we're nowhere near the end of the pandemic. So I think people would be very, very foolish to be complacent that we were through the worst of it and everything from here on in is going to be fine.
0: In the event that all goes well uh, with reopening now, Connor, um for the last phase on July 20th, what's left?
1: Well on July the 20th all going well you'll see all the country's pubs reopen, you'll see the the hotel bars reopen, casinos will be able to reopen and the number of people who were allowed at an outdoor event will rise to 500 while 100 people will be allowed to attend an indoor event and that's obviously going to be good news for people who are planning mid-sized weddings in early August or the end of July because they will now be able to go ahead as planned and similarly if you had a concert that was due to take place outside outdoors that was going to attract four or five hundred people or if if you're going to hold a football match or a soccer match attracting a crowd of that size you'll be able to go ahead with that Um, but the big thing will probably be the reopening of all the pubs across the country Uh, and they'll be the pubs that won't have to have the restriction of serving food they will be able to open and they'll still have the same measures that are in place for everywhere else now in terms of social distancing not sure about the time limits yet things might change on that score but all going well from July the 20th, we will have completely exited the lockdown and then we'll have to see where we are.
0: Connor, thanks very much. My thanks to Suzanne Brennan who produced today's podcast and thanks for listening. Stay up to date with the latest developments at irishtimes.com. We'll be back next week.